welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs split with the Reds and lost one of those games by 15 runs home. For Cubs news, updates, and banter, we're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Please leave us a five-star review and a rating on the podcast format of your choice so that other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Well, I'm uh, I'm pins and needles here because I'm going to be live streaming a COVID test in about an hour and 15 minutes, at which point uh, I, it will determine the results of that test will determine whether I could go to the Marcus Stroman event at Club 400 out in Lake in the Hills, Illinois today, a event that I'm supposed to be playing music at, including a brand new Marcus Stroman parody song to Shorty Got Low from Flowrida. And I've been planning this for months and Hey, that's life in a pandemic, right? So, uh, fingers crossed. I know you'll be getting this podcast probably after the results are in, but fingers crossed for Danny Rocket here. I've missed enough things. I don't want to miss no more. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean because I went through my little COVID stint a few weeks ago. I will be sending good COVID free vibes your way. Uh, Thank and you. I will, yeah. Good, good luck, Danny. I mean, there, I you. don't think there's much I can do. It's like if the antibodies are there, the antibodies are there. But <laughs> yeah. Godspeed, well, no COVID. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do my best and I have no control. <laughs> it's all up to Binax now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a world we live in. Um, so we're, we're going to get to this Cubs-Red series. The first two games were great. The last two games, not too much. But before we do, um, I, I kind of want to lead off with something that I think is a little bit more important and frankly related to this series, because you could say that the last two games of the series, the Cubs got bottled. Uh, Joey Votto really came to play and, and did some damage against the Cubs as he has been wanting to do in his career. Uh, but the best thing that Joey Votto did this week actually didn't happen during the game. It happened after game three when he was being interviewed uh, in the post game. And, and I really think that this poor guy from Bali sports like thought, Oh, I'm going to get this Votto interview and he's going to talk about why he was mad at Rowan Wick for throwing up and in. And then he's going to talk about David Ross's ejection and that's going to be great. And Joey Votto did something different. He uh, used that time to send love to the victims in Buffalo and Uvalde. And I don't know what, if anything, this country can do about gun violence. I've been pretty, dis I've been, I've been kind of despairing about it. Honestly. Um, I, I, I felt like after Sandy hook that they would have to do something and then they didn't. And we just live in this world where people get access to AR 15s and they use them to do terrible damage to communities for the most awful reasons. Like not that there could ever be a reason to engage in a mass shooting, but you know, this is, this is horrible. Um, yeah. But I think that the most important thing that happened this week in sports, and it happened in baseball, it happened in basketball, it happened in entertainment too, not just sports. It happened at the Celtics Heat game, was people using their platforms and their and their voices to say that we're done. Like we as a society do not condone this. And it is not okay that we live in a society where we don't take care of babies, <laughs> like 10-year-old, 9-year-old kids who were just celebrating honor rolls and perfect attendance and watching a video um, to celebrate the end of their school year. And I appreciate that Joey Votto used his platform for that. I appreciate that the Yankees and the Rays turned their social media channels into gun 
uh, violent statistics formats for yesterday's game, that there were no highlights, there were no home runs. It was all just statistics about the damages guns do in all of our community, not just in mass shooting formats, but for, for victims of suicide, for domestic violence settings, for everything. Um, and I appreciate that the Celtics and Heat did not just do a moment of silence at the start of their game, but they urged people to vote and to vote for change because we do not have to live like this. And so I just, I just want to say, you know, I, I grew up uh, in rural Utah. I've been shooting guns since I was five. I don't think anybody should come for your 22 or your hunting rifle or even your handgun for that matter. Like I, I, I know that guns are a part of culture in lots of places. My dad has had them my whole life and I know how to use them safely. And this is something different. This is something massively different and corrupt and not good. And I think that, you know, we can all get together and make some change and make it so that these poor children and families at Rob Elementary and in Buffalo at the Topps grocery store can be, can really be like the last of this, like they can, that something better can happen. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to Joey Votto's comments after the game, please do. We'll share it from our Twitter account. Um, also check out what Steve Kerr said and check out what happened at the Celtics and Heat game and check out what the Yankees and Rays did and and maybe take some time over the holiday weekend to just join in with people who are fed up and tired of not being able to ha- know that their kids and teachers are safe at school. Yeah. And we we have the numbers. You know, that's the thing that's frustrating about this situation is that you see these professional sports teams, famous baseball players coming out and uh, it's like 70 more or more percent. And if people really understood the issue, it would probably be even more about uh, the regulation that people are asking for. Like, I'm not a gun person at all. I only shot a gun once in my whole life at a shooting range in Las Vegas. And I didn't I was like, what's the big deal? This is stupid. But um, but that's just me. And I do understand it's part of a the culture of our, our society, unfortunately, in my uh, purview. But at, at the uh, the same time, we have the numbers to uh, efficiently regulate this as if it was a car or something like that. And it, I think that you're right. It's a corrupt system. And unfortunately, we don't live in a complete democracy. We're, we're beholden to gerrymandered districts. We're beholden to a lot of garbage. So it really is about not only voting, but getting the word out in very specific areas where we're being held hostage um, and having to live under laws that we don't want to live under. And uh, I, I really thank all the the people that are bigger than us, the celebrities and the sports figures that are that speak out not just on this issue that we've been gerrymandered away from, but on all the issues that we have been that we face in this society right now. And um so I know there's probably some people listening to this right now being stick to sports, but, you know, sports have, have always led the way, um, you know, just, you know, you don't do politicians stick to politics. No, they're at baseball games. So, you know, I don't want to hear it. It's a, it's a fabric of society. It's not one thing or the other. We can, we can be complete human beings and be involved in multiple facets of lives. And uh, this is something that's got to change. And um, it's just good to see. People using their platforms, and I think we all should. Let's pull together. If you believe strongly at the, about stuff like this, yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. I, I imagine the stick-to-sports crowd left a long time ago. I'm, I'm not really the stick-to-sports type, um, but, uh, you know, just – Stick to of, podcasts. Yeah, stick to podcasts. <laughs> a lot, lots of love to people, and as you're enjoying some baseball this weekend, um, take some time to maybe – 
write your senator and say, hey, you know, this is your job. Like we like nobody wants you to go confiscate every gun in the land and nobody wants to like the, the, that's not what we're talking about here. But as Danny said, you know, you we regulate how you drive a car. You have to have insurance. You have to take tests every few years to prove you still know how to drive a car. You don't just get to hold on to your car and drive in perpetuity. Like we check in on you to make sure that you're still capable of driving a car and that you're not going to do bad things with your car on accident. I, it just, it is bonkers to me that we don't yeah. do the same thing with these weapons of war. They're not even yeah. like, you know, like I was shooting a 22 when I was a kid, like that is a very different piece of machinery and equipment than an AR-15. Anyway, this is a baseball podcast. We are going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about a lot of baseball, actually, because it is a holiday weekend. Uh, We are going to recap this Cubs-Red series, and then we're going to preview both the White Sox series and the Brewers series that kicks off on Memorial Day, Um, mainly because we know that you're probably, you've got other things to do. you got grills, cookouts to attend and baseball games to watch and things to do this holiday weekend. You don't need two podcasts from us. So we're going to take Monday off, uh, but we will be back after the Brewers series. We're going to preview both of those. And let's just jump right into it. This, this Reds Cubs series started so promising. Danny, the Cubs won the first game seven to four. Drew Smiley finally got a W. It felt like things were all going in the right direction. So, so let's talk about this first game. Yeah. I mean, big blasts from Hap who loves loves to hit in Cincinnati and Patrick wisdom who hit a bomb in four straight games. Uh, so yeah, finally some run support for smiley. Uh, nice to see, uh, you know, Cubs, they got to, I mean, Vladimir Gutierrez, like we didn't, I think he was TBD before this game even started. Uh, my friend Billy DeVore from the new nasty boys podcast didn't have a lot of faith in uh, Vlad Gutierrez refuses to attend baseball games that he pitches in that he knows he's going to pitch in anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, we got, we got up to a great start in this one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's just like, this was just one of those ones that you're supposed to win that you won. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I, I want to talk about Ian Happ for a minute. Cause the dude is just a beast in Cincinnati. And you probably saw during the marquee broadcast, they had lots of stuff up there. Like he has the highest Woba since Barry Bonds at great American ballpark and all these things. And anytime you're in a list with Barry Bonds, you're usually doing doing something right but these are the just raw numbers for Ian Happ in 38 games at Great American Ballpark he has 149 plate appearances he's hitting 333 436 786 that is his slugging not his OPS uh his WRC plus is 212 which means he's 112 percent better at creating runs in Great American Ballpark than the average baseball player and he has 15 home runs in 38 games. So keep keep it up but against the Reds, Ian Happ. Yeah, and that's just at Great, Great American Ballpark. I don't know his numbers at uh, at Wrigley against the Reds. The Reds aren't a very good team, so you have to you know keep take it all kind of with a grain of salt. But you got to think that if the Reds are ever looking to compete again anytime soon, they're going to be taking a pretty good look at Ian Happ and his numbers at Great, Great American. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I think everybody would want that guy on their team, particularly when he does that type of damage uh, in one particular park. I'm 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 also glad Smiley got a win here. Like, I feel like David Ross left him in a little bit too long, but Smiley's been kind of a tough luck pitcher for the Cubs so far. And, And speaking of tough luck pitchers in game two, Marcus Stroman got a win. So, like, it was like all the guys who have not been getting any run support 
were finally getting the run support. They were finally getting the W's. This was an 11-4 victory for the Cubs. It really, I mean, honestly, I kind of thought the Cubs were just going to roll through Cincinnati and it was going to be like, ah, yes, the Cubs are in fact better than at least one team in this division. It is the Reds. It is the Reds that the Cubs are better than. And we all know that that didn't pan out over the last two games. But uh, it was nice to see Stroman get a W here. It was nice to see the Cubs put together a five-run fifth inning. And, and, you know, even though Robert Gesellman gave up four, uh, two runs in three innings of work, he still got a save. So, you know, thanks for thanks for covering those three innings, buddy. Yeah, he covered it. I mean, I got a, I got a name for Robert right now. I mean, I, I call him Robert Gesuckman because he kind of, I mean, it's not sucks. great. Yeah, exactly. it's not it's not great. Uh, I mean, he comes out of that Mets kind of world, so they've been good at developing pitchers. Uh, he looks like Jesus, so maybe <laughs> that'll that'll help him out. Um, you know, by uh, I, I don't know with some kind of holy intervention. But um, yeah, it's not great. But yeah, he did save. You got to give it to him for the three innings. Gives up uh, four hits, the two runs. Uh, um, the thing I liked about Stroman's outing: this was his highest strikeout total of the year. He had eight Ks uh, to only two walks. He didn't give up any home runs, which is nice to see. That's hard to do in Great American. So, yeah, that was that was good to see. This is his second start off of COVID as well. So, um, you know, it knocks you down. And then you sleep a bunch, and then you get back up, and you're like, whoa, what just happened to me? And then after a little bit, you start coming back to earth. And I think this was his coming back to earth. Only the five innings. He wasn't the most efficient, 97 pitches. Um, also, like... Man, we got to talk about Frank the Tank. Um, or now I'm calling him Middle Seat Frank. He's got it like Frank the Tank. This guy has more nicknames, I swear. But um, since Frank the Tank, I brought this up on the Sun Ranto show last night. Since uh, Frank the Tank came, uh, rode the middle seat um, back to uh, San Diego, I believe it was. Um, he's just been refusing to go back down. Um, it's... He's he hits two home runs in this game. Uh, he's got four since he rode the middle seat. Uh, he's this last line isn't like something you write home about. He's got eight, uh, nearly eight hundred OPS. Um, I don't know how he did yesterday. It might be over eight hundred, but uh, two fifty four, two ninety five oh nine with those four home runs and three doubles. So middle seat Frank does not want to get on a on a bus or drive his flat tire down to Iowa at this point. He wants to stay. His first two run. Uh, home two homer game of his career which hasn't been very long frankly but um anyway I'm happy for the kid I love him yeah I'm happy for Frank too I mean I I don't know if it's like sustainable I don't know if I think this is what the Cubs probably thought they were getting from Frank Schwindel all along not an overpowering bat but a solid one that you can keep in the lineup I you know as long as he's hitting keep him in there when he's not hitting put Rivas in there I I, I, it's hard for me to get super excited about the Cubs current player situation, but I am glad Frank the tank is having a nice season. Yeah. I mean, he just seems like such a nice guy. I'm happy. All these dudes, like after spending so much time in the minor leagues and sticking to it all this time are finally making some real money for the first time. And, you know, maybe it'll be life-changing money if they, you know, make good investments and they're not putting it all in Bitcoin or something, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a platoon situation. And uh, when you look at the kind of the, the personnel of the Chicago Cubs, you have a lot of kind of just replacement level players that you could definitely upgrade at every single position, pretty much. Um, not every position, but most of them. And um, so you I wonder. Wanna, I want to see more of Christopher Morrell. Christopher Morrell has been great. He can stay. 
<laughs> yeah, he could stay, but at what point do you get yourself into a 40-man crunch, a roster crunch? You got maybe Jay Hay coming back from the IL. I mean, that's, you know, because it's a COVID IL, you don't need to take the 40-man spot. The Cubs never like to do anything before they have to, and with, especially with that 40-man situation, because you might lose somebody off of it, and I would hate to lose somebody off the 40-man roster because of Jay Hay. Right. Well, Just because you want to keep somebody up. This is a little tangent, but Michael Sarami and I were kind of going back and forth on this on Twitter because he was, you know, he's he's very optimistic about Caleb Killian, as are many Cubs fans. And a lot of people thought that Caleb Killian, who was throwing absolute bullets uh, down in the minors, might be activated for this next homestand because the Cubs have this doubleheader with situation with the Brewers. They get an extra guy, all that type of stuff. And I, I just don't see it like it's, it's not happening um, for this homestand. It looks like they're going to give Keegan Thompson some starts and do some other things that we'll talk about in just a minute. But I, I also just, like I, I don't see it period this season. It's not, I, I understand why Cubs fans would like to see Caleb Killian up. I understand why Cubs fans would like to see Brennan Davis up. I don't think Jed Hoyer is pulling any of those guys into the 2022 season. I would love to be proven wrong. I just, there's no incentive for the Cubs to do that. There's every incentive for them to have a worse record and to save those guys for 2023. So Danny, I'm curious what you think here. Uh, I think that the Cubs are just going to ride, you know, the 29, 30 year old guys they've got right now. And in 2023, they might try again. Yeah. And, and unfortunately they won't be honest about that. They still claim that they're somehow trying this year. And uh, I think anybody that's watching this team closely knows better. And so it's kind of frustrating that we're not getting the transparency out of Jed that we gave, that we got out of Theo because we're not dummies. So it's just frustrating to be treated as such as a fan base. That's pretty intelligent, but yeah, I mean, why start the clock on some of these guys when uh, you know that you maybe have this window of Suzuki's third year, uh, you know, you're going to be rebuilding at other positions, apparently, because you can't get it done with uh, Contreras. Um, Hap's only on the team for another year. We don't know what's happening there. Seems like they should have maybe locked him up given <laughs> the year he's having, because now it's going to be arbitration time for him um, next year. And they're going to have to pay if he keeps going like this. But we don't know. He falls off the cliff sometimes. But yeah, I mean... We want to see it because we're fans. We want to see the best possible team that's going to go out there and win every day. That's not what the front office's interest is right now. They've got a uh, long view of things, and it's frustrating for the fans. And they're being opaque about it, which is even more frustrating. And, yeah, but they're probably making the right move if you don't care about the present. Right. Right. So don't get too optimistic. I mean, I, I see the chatter on Twitter too. Like I would be excited to see Caleb Killian called up. I would be excited to see Brennan Davis in August. I just, I, I don't know. Y'all like keep your expectations in check. It'll make it easier when it doesn't happen later. Yeah. Um, speaking and of, they had a position player pitch in this one too. So there <laughs> well, was, we're coming to that. We're oh. coming to that, Danny. That's game four. Like we're, we're well, in game no, three. the Reds did. Oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't pay. I mean, it, that. and he, well, <laughs> the thing that I, only reason I want to bring it up is because this is how you use a p position player to pitch. This is how you do it. You, you put him in when you're losing, like not this Cardinals way that they just <laughs> like, oh, we're winning by a lot. Let's show up the other team with our, with our AARP crew. Yeah, I'm just saying. I just I just wanted to get that in there. Um, Matt Reynolds pitched. I believe I, he was the starting shortstop of the game. <laughs> nice. I yeah, I, I actually missed that. I thought you were talking about game four where Andrelton Simmons pitched, but but we gotta do game three first. Uh this was 
definitely a Mr. Kyle start. The Cubs lose four to three. Kyle Hendricks pitched four innings, gave up five hits. He was responsible for all four earned runs, walked one, struck out a guy. He said he felt good in this game, that he just kind of got hit around a little bit. I hope that's not true because I really want there to be something different going on for Kyle Hendricks here. I don't know, Danny. What did you see from Mr. Kyle in this start? Yeah, I mean, he only lasts the four, which is frustrating. Only the one home run, um, but... Yeah, I mean, they kind of just got the hits in the right order in some ways. Um, so I, I I, know the results weren't great. The 68 pitches, I'm like, what? Like, you can't. They're saving and it maybe... for next week. It, it was Ross real. It was Ross pulling the plug so that he has him for next week and doesn't have Yeah, for there. maybe a good long outing. But, like, and, but, yeah, I. so you wonder, like, is this, like, Ross is seeing something? He's like, I got to get him out of there. But, you know, then you shorten your bullpen for the rest of it. And this is the one, this is the game that was frustrating because you lose it by only one run as opposed to 15. <laughs> so, um, you know, it just, the Cubs had a lot of kind of missed opportunities in this game. Um, they left a lot of guys on base, two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Um it just, I mean, that's, that was the problem. You, you, Morel, you almost went at the end. You had the fireworks where you, they hit wisdom, which was stupid. Cause then you put like the tying run at the plate. Uh, wisdom ends up scoring, uh, making it a one run ball game. You get Morel who looked way overmatched for that, uh, Hunter Strickland, uh, soft toss at the end of that game. And, um, you know, and then it, I guess the moment seemed a little bit too big for him. Um, and it was just, you know, Maybe you can't hit a breaking ball. I don't know. But it was um, – th- this one frustrated me because you could – this is one of those that you could have won. You should have won and then continued the momentum. You've taken three and four. Then you're just going for the sweep. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This this one this one was the one that made me mad. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that the Cubs could win this game, and, and they didn't. I, I You know, as they were pulling uh, – if you – Wilson Contreras, Nico Horner were both on the bench for this game at the end. Of, well, Wilson never went on the IL. Nico did, but um, they were not in the lineup. They got pulled off the bench in the ninth inning to try to help with this rally. You kind of thought that might fire some guys up, but it, it didn't. Wilson sent one to the wall that looked like it might have a shot at getting out. Must have been one of the mush balls. Um, and Nico did get a hit, but then, like you said, Morrell kind of got overmatched there at the end. The, the thing that I, a couple things that I thought was weird here. One. This is the game where Joey Votto and Rowan Wick kind of got into it. And like, if you, okay, look, I understand, like, I'm good for a good baseball rivalry, like two guys who are fired up and like getting in each other's face and everything. The Javi Amir Garrett stuff was like, I loved that. That was great. Like Anthony Rizzo yelling at Araldis Chapman, like, do it. Like, let's bring it. I cannot think of two guys who I think are less likely to fire people up and get in a fight than Joey Votto and Rowan Wick. It's like, this is like a Canadian baseball brawl that is just like, absolutely not. You two are not typecast for this. Like what is going on? Yeah. It, yeah. Joey Votto. Did, I don't know how many fights he gets in. I mean, I remember the time that Rizzo fought the entire Reds and I'm sure Joey was right. up in that. That was back in 2014. Joey was a younger man, probably had a little bit more fire in him. But yeah, you don't that I didn't have that on my bingo card at all. And uh, Rowan Wick, I mean, I I, I don't see him um, as being that guy either. Um, but uh, Joey leaned into one earlier in the series, 
And I, I believe it was Wick that was pitching then too. Was that in game one? I don't know. That he leaned into it. I I, this was brought up by <laughs> Billy. I'll bring up Billy DeVore again. Very funny comedian and has a Reds podcast. If you already Reds fans, like turn him on to the new Nasty Boys show. But um, yeah, it, it, Rowan Wick. Uh, and I guess it wasn't, I don't know if it was game one or game two, but either way, like he had some kind of, no, he didn't even pitch before this. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know what this was all about. If there's was bad blood before, I mean, by the way, this pitch from Rowan Wick did not hit Joey Votto. No, it was, it was just ball up four. And it was just up and in ball four. This was why when David Ross got ejected later, when Patrick wisdom did get hit, I was like, I was very confused. And admittedly, I was kind of half watching the game and doing some other stuff and like reading and doing, you know, like, so I I was like, I must have missed something. I will say, shout out to whoever controls the music at Great American Ballpark, because as David Ross has been ejected and is screaming at the umpire, they started playing Let It Go from the loudspeaker. And they were at the part where they're like, <laughs> I don't care what you're trying to say. And I was just like, this is and like this is great. Like, this is well- brilliant. The Reds are, I've been to that stadium a lot and they are kind of notorious trolls (laughs) in, you know, that when they, when you have a, even a meeting on the mound, they play chicken sounds at you like, you know, it's just like, it's pretty, pretty severe. The kind of troll jobs that they do, um, lead off walks. They play a, like a big ghost graphic on their scoreboards that say like lead off walks will haunt it's and uh, even John Baker, uh, the ex former Cubs backup catcher and pitcher uh, brought up one time that like that used to freak him out. He's like, we'd be up, we'd be up there and we'd walk a guy and that would come up. And I usually didn't pay attention to anything, but that one always got me. He's like, Oh no, we're screwed out here. And so they're just, that's their, that's their thing. They troll the other teams. Kind of wish we did a little bit more of that. I know John Benedict, the uh, keyboard or the, the organ player at Wrigley field, he got into a little bit of, I mean, he does some lighthearted trolling with players' names and stuff like that. He puts it on his TikTok page. But he kind of, Cubs aren't about that. So he's been told we don't do mean trolling. We just have a little fun, you know. So it's, but the Reds, they're different. That is really good. <laughs> Let it go. Let it yeah. go. The Reds hit different. So, yeah. So, that yeah, this game blew. Like, Dr. Hendo goes out there. That was not good. And, you know, it just – ne- it never got – the bullpen did okay. I guess you could hit it, keep then, us in it. Oh, great. So, they're, they're going to vacuum my hall right now, which means that we're definitely going to have some background noise for about the next – I hold on, Danny. I – it's fine. It's 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 not even that distracting. It's if it's if it's like this on the recording, it's pretty in the background. So well, it's definitely going to be in the background. It, it'll be in the background while we talk about Game Four, which was which was literally the worst. Uh, which we could vacuum that vacuum that yeah, game. Can we up. vacuum back some of those runs? Uh, this was a twenty to five victory for the Cincinnati Reds, and Justin Steele was not of the Valerian Steele variety in this game. He threw two innings, seven hits, seven runs, all of them earned, two walks, two strikeouts. There's also like a weird rain delay here. Like, I, you know, I think that when the rain delay happened, it was like 10 to five or something or 10 to three. And I was like, yeah, we could just call it like it's a getaway day. But no, they played it out and the, and the Reds scored 10 more runs. So um, I don't know what to say about this game. This game was This yeah. game was pretty yikes. I will say... Every Cubs pitcher, every single one, gave up at least one earned run. Steele gave up seven of them. Efros gave, gave up three. Hughes gave up one. It was a ho- solo shot home run. 
Martin gave up two, Wick gave up two, and Andrelton Simmons, shortstop pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, gave up five earned runs. Yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. I mean, why is he the pitcher? He was terrible. I mean, at least get somebody up there that can do it. I mean, it seemed like he hadn't pitched since Little League. He looked like Little League. He was pitch. I mean, talk about your ephesus. Oh, my God, that was terrible. Um, Just get out of the game. It's embarrassing. I'm so over this crap. I really am. Uh, I know you're saving the bullpen. I know this is how Major League Baseball works these days. But they got to do something about this. Position players pitching, um, the novelty has completely worn off for me. I find it an embarrassment. I mean, this is Major League Baseball at the highest levels. And, you know, I'm and it, it, it used to be a novelty thing. Now it happens once a week. And I'm I'm just like, hey, that's terrible because it means you're getting blown out or you're blowing somebody out. So it's an uncompetitive baseball game to even watch. I don't know what that's about. Is there a certain threshold by which the other team gives up, pulls their goalie or whatever, like gets rid of their right, their right fielder that's had a bum knee or whatever it is and p- puts out the kid who never gets to play? I mean – it's just like you got paying fans out there. This is supposed to be a competitive thing. I understand the game was out of hand, but it didn't get any better at any point. If they can score eight runs in an inning, so can you. By the way, that eight runs that they scored in the third inning of this game, that topped their season high runs scored for the for the, an entire game. Not topped it, it tied it. Um, eight runs was as many as they had scored in the entire game. They had scored 21 runs in the previous seven games. And they hadn't scored that many runs since 1999. Oh, God. Exactly. I did not realize it had been that long since the Reds had an eight-run inning. That is yikes. Well, no, no. They had scored – no, they hadn't scored that many runs, 20 runs oh, in a game. Oh, the 20 runs. Oh, got it. Got yeah, it. Since okay, 1999. That's slightly better because 20 yeah. runs in a game is a lot. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's rare. But, uh, but it becomes a lot less rare when you have – Andrelton freaking Simmons out there throwing 40 miles an hour. It's like, might as well get somebody from the freaking crowd and put them on the 40 man. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? At least well, there, Danny, they might lose. They might lose like a season of some guy who they're really banking on getting half season. You know what? That should be the punishment. That's the punishment. I don't care. Like that's the punishment or have a slaughter rule. If you, if you're just going to give up at the end and give half the people their money back. Say, if after five innings you're losing by, uh, which I totally disagree with, because there's been some amazing comebacks in baseball history. The fact that you would give up any game, I can see why you're doing it against Cubs and Reds, because neither one of them are trying. So if you want to fool yourself into believing that the Cubs have any care whether they win any of these baseball games, just look to this game, because they don't care. And I'm just like, why should I care? Why should I pay why should I have two podcasts about it? Like, I don't know. Like, what's wrong with me, Sarah? Like, I don't know what's wrong with I start to wonder. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be better when the Cubs are competitive. But, but, but for right now, it feels, it really feels like we're just like a little bit masochistic over here. Um, a, couple, a couple of notes from this game. Uh, Seiya Suzuki left this game with an injured finger. He had like an awkward slide on a stolen base early. And I'm, I'm hoping, I, I think I saw a note that it was a sprained right or left. I cannot remember ring finger. So I'm guessing that that's like a weak injury, right? Like that's not an injury that keeps you out for days and days and days. That's like a injury that keeps you out for like three days. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, 
you know, it's you got to bat with your hands and just throw with your hands and catch with your hands. So, but yeah, it's, it seemed finger, like just though. like it's it's not like the main fingers. It's like the it's like the, the weakest, almost yeah. the weakest finger. <laughs> the, yeah, the ring finger can't even move by itself. You know, like it's that weak. You know, it's like it it has to have like its buddies move with it. Um, <laughs> it, it although your pinky anyway, they they have to share a tendon, but um, and it's um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm actually now distracting, uh, distracting myself to see if I can I'm, still I'm independently move. Yeah, I'm I'm right. literally messing around with this. Okay. Uh, while Danny and I are trying to figure out if we can independently move our ring fingers, which you can, by the way, I just did it. Um, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's, a, it's guitar training. Wilson Contreras started this game behind the plate, but was pulled back after the delay, probably because the Cubs were down by nine million runs, and like, who wants to lose your all-star starting catcher in a game where you're losing by so much? Uh, I do want to shout out Christopher Morrell, who has been super fun to watch and through yesterday's game has 37 plate appearances with the Chicago Cubs. He's batting 313, 405, 563. Some of that is batted ball luck. His BABIP is currently like 381. That is definitely going to calm down. He's probably closer to like a 323, 330 BABIP guy overall, but he has been a bright spot in a series of Cubs games that have definitely not had much to offer. Yeah, it's it's been really exciting to see Christopher Morrell. And I and I just love that as a concept too. And I think it's kind of why we're fighting for Caleb Killian too, is because a lot of times and you look at a team like the Pirates, who even if you might say that due to their even with their lack of pitching, that they might be overperforming a little bit right now, which is why they find themselves in third place instead of last like usual. And the Reds are just, you know, they had a really tough start to the season, like one of the worst historically. And um, so, but these young guys, they overperform. The league doesn't know them. Um, the, and so, uh, you know, they don't have a book on some of them. Um, they, they're hungry. This is their dream. Don't discount the kind of energy that brings. And this is the un- intangible stuff that does not show up in Saber metrics. Um, it, maybe it does. Maybe there is a metric for like a guy's age and how excited he is like the excitement factor of just like, I mean, remember row barrels, Garcia coming up and just like hitting everything for a week. And then it just fell off a cliff. Once they figured out to throw him a breaking ball, just don't throw him strikes and they'll just swing at him. It'll be out. You know, we learned this, but Morrell, I don't know. He's taking some walks. He's hitting the ball around. He's hitting with power. He's hitting doubles. Like he's doing a lot of different things that make you wonder like, Hey, maybe this guy's for real. And even though he was on nobody's like top prospect list, certainly not in anybody's top 100 in the country, maybe he's an actual guy that uh, down the road, they're like, Oh, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. Like Wilson Contreras, for example, who wasn't supposed to be a guy, really. He wasn't on anybody's prospect list. No, you started catcher for the last five years. So, you know, maybe he's a real dude. Maybe he sticks around. And I'll tell you this much. If he gets sent back down and it's Jason Hayward back on this team, like, what's the point? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I was doing some prospect. Um, I was looking at some prospects earlier this week because my my parents are visiting my brother. My brother's birthday is May 30th. Hey, happy birthday, Daniel, if you happen to listen to the podcast. Um, and anyway, they yeah, so they're like hanging out in Spokane. Uh, which has a high A team for the Colorado Rockies, I believe. And they went to a Spokane Indians Everett Aqua Sox game yesterday. Um, I And I did some prospect d- d- deep dives for them. Like, hey, keep an eye on this guy. Keep an eye on that guy. Like, they're they're supposed to be studs, whatever. And, and I, it, it reminded me that you can go back and look at some of these old prospect lists. And, and it's real interesting to do so, right? Like, the, 
these prospects list thought that Jorge Soler was a perennial all-star. That's who Jorge Soler was supposed to be. And, and, and he is not right. Like these prospect lists do not have Wilson Contreras on them at all. Like Wilson Contreras is a better baseball player than Jorge Soler. He is a much more valuable baseball player than Jorge Soler. So I, I, I don't, I do think that it's worth going back and looking at some of these things. Cause you never know what you've got in a 22 year old kid, like a Christopher Morrell who was playing for his life. Like he's just, I, I don't know if you didn't read Andy Martinez's uh, piece over at watch marquee about what Christopher Morrell has been through. He had a plate glass window basically shatter on him when he was a kid and he is not supposed to be here. Like he was told that he was never going to play baseball again. And here he is playing baseball with a left hand that only partially works. Right. Like, I think that's incredible. And I love what he's doing with the Cubs and I want to see him do more of it. And I frankly would rather see that than, I don't know. Well, he was having a great year with Tennessee, which is what got him the promotion. But if you look back through his minor league career, it's not all that impressive. I mean, you know, he's got this, uh, I mean, this year he had a 945 OPS down at double A. Okay. In, in, in 2021, he was, was knocked between triple A and double A, but he had an OPS in the sevens, low sevens. And uh, then he went down to the Dominican league and he then he didn't do that great. And so like you, you're looking back through his minor league career and there's not anything that's going to make you think that this guy's going to be a guy. And then he comes up to the major leagues and he and he impresses. But we've all seen guys that we got real excited about real fast. And then it then that went by the wayside, too. So this could be that situation, too. But maybe he just takes his moment and runs with it. And no, he can't hit minor league pitching, but he can hit major league pitching somehow. Like, I don't know. It's weird. You know, weird things happen in this world. Baseball is weird. And that's why we love it. And Christopher Morrell's good, and I don't want to lose him off the team for a dumb reason, especially because I just made a T-shirt about him with a mushroom on it. (laughs) All right. Well, we can talk about the T-shirt on the flip side, but we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. Um, But on the flip side, we'll be previewing both the White Sox and the Brewers series as Memorial Day weekend gets kicked off in Chicago. All right, we are back. A a note before we get into these pitching matchups, the Cubs have everybody listed as TBD at the moment. So I'm actually pulling from the Roto-Wire probable pitchers list. The guys over at Roto-Wire do a great job generally for fantasy purposes, but they usually know who's coming up in a start. So I feel like these are these are highly educated guesses, even though they have not been announced by the Cubs. So if like Thompson starts a slightly different game than Miley, I apologize in advance, but I think that this is about as close uh, as we can get for our purposes right now, particularly since we're covering the next Stroman. six games. I believe it's going to be Stroman in game two. So um, I, they said that. Now, I agree that it's still TBD uh, as far as what they're showing on the uh, – is it still that way? Yeah, it's still TBD. But what I've what they said on the White Sox broadcast, Mr. Len Casper I was listening to on the radio just last night – claims that it's going to be Keegan Thompson and Marcus Stroman. I don't know why Len Casper thinks that. I'm going to go with the Roto-Wire guys, and if Danny's right, we'll talk about it on the next show, and if uh, Len Casper and Danny are right, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely give them credit for that. But um, So I show these matchups per Roto-Wire as being Keegan Thompson on Saturday, Wade Miley on Sunday, and then Johnny Cueto, old friend Johnny Cueto, has signed with the White Sox because the White Sox were really hurting for starting pitching. Had a nice uh, first start with them 
And Dylan Cease, who came way back to earth, uh, the Red Sox tagged him for a bazillion runs <laughs> uh, in this last series. I think the Red Sox won that game by six, like 16 to three or something. The Red Sox won two games with 16 runs against the White Sox, which yikes, that is ouch if you are the White Sox. So the White Sox are coming off kind of a, a tough luck series too. Uh, what else do you see from these matchups? Thompson, Miley slash Stroman or Cueto Cease? Yeah, well, I mean, the, I would hope... And I'll tell you why I hope it's Stroman, because the White Sox cannot hit right-handed pitching. They are, I looked it up the other day, the splits on that, uh, the OPS is different, righty versus lefty by over 100 points. So it's like, uh, if I'm looking at right here, 621 OPS versus righties, which is third worst in the major leagues, versus 738 versus lefties, which is sixth best. So I kind of hope they don't throw Miley because really it should be Smiley Miley should be this, which it would be, which really is a missed opportunity to have fun with those two names against the White Sox. And you'd, but, I, but I would actually hope it is going to be Stroman. And then they just save Smiley Miley for a fun day against the Brewers for Smiley Miley Day. Uh, maybe that's what Monday looks like. I don't know. It could work out that way. It's not skipping a start, but it's pushing everything back. But because of today's off day, you could do it technically. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. I But it's still TBD. You're right. Um, and then uh, Johnny Cueto. Yeah, we've seen him a lot. Um, but but our Cubs, current Cubs haven't seen him a lot. But he's been doing great for them, considering he only signed for a couple million bucks. I think it was $4 million. Came in late because he was hurt uh, or maybe just unsigned. Um, I, I think he, he just was wasn't. Un- I, I think he just wasn't signed. People kind of thought Cueto might be done. I, you know, Cueto is one of those guys with a weird delivery. He's got a little bit of a hitch in his delivery and the Cubs have not done well with pitchers like that. They did not have a great outing against Mike Clevenger down in San Diego. Like the guys who kind of do like the weird, trying to get your timing off stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with Johnny Cueto. But yeah, I really think he was just unsigned. I don't think it was, he wasn't hurt or anything. I just think he wasn't, didn't have a job. Yeah. And, and then he didn't, they didn't even pay him that much. 4 million bucks. I'm like, that's for a starting pitcher. And he's been, he's been lights out for him. He's six innings twice, no runs both times. I mean, what? Like, why aren't you, why wouldn't anybody have done that? Um, maybe they just didn't think he was going to do it, but, um, wisdom has two, two home runs and two at bats off of him. So, you know, wisdom likes hitting home runs. Wisdom, if Wisdom could strike out 6% less of the time and keep hitting home runs at the clip he hits them at, he would be a phenomenally useful baseball player. I mean, I bet the 40% K rate is really just like, it's hard to look at. Yeah, and hopefully uh, Dylan Cease does not have a bounce back outing, and we see the Cease that went up against the Red Sox. Now, they went, the Red Sox are kind of going streaking right now. So, you know, they've had a, a pretty good week, I think. Um, they're, uh, Trevor Story's on freaking serious fire um, right now. So a, a historical fire. And so uh, that might've had played into some of that cease thing, but you know, I always root for cease to do bad and it's because we traded him uh, for, for Quintana and I'm still mad about it. And so I want the Cubs to win the trade. So everything that cease does bad on Sunday, I will be tweeting out Cubs won the trade. So just get ready for that. Hey, uh- <laughs> I want to go back to what you were saying about lefties and righties for a second, because I think you might be onto something here. And I would not be surprised at all if the Cubs threw two righties against the White Sox and then saved their lefties for the Brewers, because I, I just ran 
some quick splits for teams for the White Sox and the Brewers so I could look at each of them. The White Sox are the second best hitting baseball team against left-handed pitching in the majors. They have a WRC plus of 122 as a team against lefties. Only the Cardinals are better, so that'll be fun when we get to do that against the Cardinals. But the, the Brewers are the 23rd worst team against lefties in the majors. They have a WRC plus of 88 against lefties. And so you're absolutely right that the Cubs should throw both righties against the White Sox and all the lefties they can against the Brewers. It'll be interesting to see if that plays out. Yeah, I, I, I hope it is how it plays out because it would give us some some hope that they are trying to win at least a couple of the games against our division rivals and cross-down rivals. If Danny and so. I can figure this out during the span of this podcast, I'm sure Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins are all on top of it. Um, you would think, but <laughs> one you know, they don't. They should be listening to us more if you ask me. <laughs> um, let's talk about some hot hitters for the White Sox. The White Sox, like I said, are coming off some big losses to the Red Sox. So there's, they're not very happy over there on the south side of Chicago. Um, the Tim Anderson is is super hot right now. He's been riding that wave since that Yankees series. Got a WRC plus of one seventy two since May sixth. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is at one fifty. Luis Robert is at 124 and Jose Abreu at 118. Those are some mashers, man. And you would love to see the Cubs cool them down a little bit. Danny, who do you see here that the Cubs should keep an eye on? Well, yeah, him and Abreu, you know, because <laughs> he just always seems to kill us. I think we've got some real bad taste in our mouth about uh, how that's gone um, in the past. But um, yeah, I mean, the White Sox overall, I mean, I, I looked it up in almost every single offensive category. The Cubs are better. And uh, that might be a surprise to most people because we are, we have not won as many games as the White Sox have. Um, you know, our, our OPS is better. Our, we've hit more home runs than the White Sox. We, uh, we strike out more than them, but, uh, you know, we walk more than them. We, uh, we have scored more runs than the White Sox in general. And so, I don't know. I don't know why uh, we can't have nice things like uh, wins. <laughs> you know, it's like, why does the White Sox get to have a uh, 20% got to go to the playoffs odds and the Cubs have a 0.4%? Why? It is 1.9%, Danny. I looked it up yesterday because I was doing a Cubs. I'm, I'm working on a Cubs quarter grades for the first quarter of the season piece for BCB that should hopefully be up uh, just after this podcast goes up. But so you're yeah, saying one, 1. A, I'm saying there's a 1.9% chance that the chance, Cubs will go yeah. to the postseason. Um, yeah, that but, is a very small chance for the record. But, you know, our offense, our offense is better. Our bullpen's better. They got us at starters. Like, by far, they've got us at starters. But, like, our bullpen's got a lower earn run average. We strike out more guys than their bullpen does. Like, you know, they they walk more guys than our bullpen does. You know, our our defense is way better. And I know a lot of people are like, huh? <laughs> like, yep, there are worse defenses in the world. Um, so you wonder if, like you, we're able to clean up some of those toot blands and that we've had and scored a few more runs if you could couldn't have actually like knocked out a few more games with W's on your, the right side of your name. I mean that the Cubs maybe find themselves in a different position, but um, yeah, that's not how it's worked out. And so I don't think the White Sox are that good, and they have not added to this squad. It is unfathomable. If I were a White Sox fan, I'd be really annoyed. That um, we'll see how active they are at the trade deadline. Um, they're not that good. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think that they are. They're going to lose the division. They might. And, and the only way they might make the playoffs only because they're playing the tournament now instead of the playoffs. I mean, I 
I think there's a lot to like on this White Sox team, but I agree with you. Like losing Rodon and not replacing him is, is just like that's bananas. And then they've had Lance Lynn on the IL this entire start of the season. Yep. So their pitching is really down a couple of heavy, heavy starting arms that they needed that were a big part of their success last year. I do want to say one other thing about the White Sox. If you're driving down to the games, keep an eye out for some really awesome Tim Anderson billboards that the White Sox have put up all over the city of Chicago. Uh, highly support this. Like, yes, the game needs more Tim Anderson to change the game the Tim Anderson way. Like, good job, White Sox. I am not a Cubs fan who feels like you need to hate everything the White Sox do. I think that this is an outstanding move by the White Sox, and I support Tim Anderson. I think Tim Anderson is great. Um, the Cubs offense is bouncing back a little bit. Christopher Morell has been leading the way. His WRC plus in the last few weeks is up to 171. Wilson Contreras, who always loves playing against the White Sox, has a WRC plus lately of 147. Ian Happ is at 134. Say Suzuki back on the plus side at 116. Let's hope that finger injury doesn't slow anything down. And Patrick Wisdom at 111. What are you looking at from the Cubs back, Danny? Yeah, I mean... They did well in Cincinnati. I mean, even in the game that they lost by so much, they they did score five runs, which, you know, sometimes will be good enough for a W. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> I don't really have a problem with the Cubs offense. And it's funny because remember in like 20, was it 18 or 19 when the Cubs won a lot of baseball games by only scoring one run? Yeah. And, or, or just and they had just they, they barely scored runs, but they still won a lot. And this, the pitching had to be perfect, and it was often, and you had the guys to do it. Um, this team's not like that. This team does score some runs, and it's the pitching now that doesn't necessarily keep you in the games, um, as we saw on Thursday. But, um, you know, so I I enjoy watching this offense. There's a lot of action. They're putting the ball in play. They're hitting the ball hard, and when they're not hitting the ball hard, they're hitting it where they ain't, you know, and a lot of balls are dropping in. So, you know, this is not a t- this is an average major league offense. It's not a terrible offense. It's better than the White Sox offense has been. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about this coming week that there could be some consistent. I mean, you're facing some tough guys. You're t- facing the veteran Cueto, and you're facing a big arm and cease. Uh, we'll we'll see what we have. That's their strength. Get get into their bullpen. Joe Kelly's injured. Yeah. All right. So after the Cubs uh, finish up on. The South side, they head back to Wrigley for four games. Um, the Rotowire guys think, and again, this could change if the Cubs do that righty lefty stuff that we talk, stop, talked about at the top. Wow, nice way I created a little <laughs> tongue twister for myself there. That it should be Stroman, Smiley, Hendricks, and Steele for the Cubs. That it should be Aaron Ashby, who is um, newly in the Brewers rotation after they lost Freddie Peralta to a shoulder injury. Aaron Ashby, uh, Josh Lindblom, uh, Eric Lauer, and Brandon Woodruff going for the Brewers. Lauer has actually been the pitcher there that has been the most effective so far. Woodruff has kind of had some struggles this season. And, um, I mean, Ashby's their sixth man for all intents and purposes. What do you see in these matchups with the Brewers, Danny? I mean, they've been tough. We we beat them the first um, uh, series, I guess, if you count it, the three-game series is uh... – because it was supposed to be four, but uh, I'm just glad we don't have to face Corbin Burns. At least you you get to miss one of those guys. Uh, even when the Brewers don't have good pitchers, somehow <laughs> they they manage to make um, mediocre pitchers or underrated pitchers, I should say, uh, into something more than they are. And um, you know you got to give a lot of credit to Craig Council on that squad. 
this is another offense that is not scary. It's not. Um, you, you've freaking, um, what's his name is falling off a cliff. Uh, uh, Yelich, not scared of him. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think the Brewers are that scary of a team. That's why I'm kind of mad that we're, we're just like, oh yeah, the Brewers are so awesome. So they should just win the world series this year. It's like, they're not going to win the world series. They're not even going to, unless they add some serious depth on this team. Now, maybe the pitching will get them pretty far, but if they don't add some bats, they're not going to win nothing. You know, they're not going to beat the Dodgers, most likely. So I'm, I just don't understand why the Cubs haven't put themselves in a position to beat this somewhat, I won't call them mediocre. They're a good squad. But you're going to let the AARP tour of the Cardinals get away with this? You're going to let the Brewers run away with it? Why? You're going to let the Pirates beat you? It's annoying. I'm just saying, I'm, I, you know, lost season for no reason. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to call Joe at obvious shirts. Joe, I got a new one for you. Lost season, no reason. Yeah, there you um, go. The Brewers have had some hot hitters in the month of May so far. Mike Rousseau as WRC Plus, uh, admittedly over like a very small number of plate appearances of 156. Uh, Luis Urias at 131. Rowdy Telez at 126. Hunter Renfro at 121. Keston Hira at 119. Willie Adamas at 115. And Yelich is lurking just at that 110 line uh, at 109. So it'll be interesting to see what the Brewers' bats do, um, particularly if the Cubs line this up so that they throw a bunch of lefties at them and make their life a little bit harder. Yeah, do it. I mean, it, it, that's what they should do. Just make their life hard. Don't don't let them just get away with it. I mean, even if you're not going for it this year, at least you send a message that, I don't know, just send a just send a message. These are home games. We got, what is it? Is it, is this a five gamer? I think it's four. I think it's four. four. Okay. Yeah. yeah Ashby, so Lynn, Bloom, Lauer, and Woodruff. It's, it's a double header on Monday that starts at 12.05. That's part of why we're doing this Brewers preview now, because frankly, getting a podcast up and recorded between Sunday and Monday on a holiday weekend, it, it, that's, that's ridiculous. And y'all aren't, y'all aren't going to be like waiting on bated breath for that anyway. So we figured we'd just get that preview in here right now. Um, so and oh, I see. It's a four game against Milwaukee, and then St. Louis is the five games correct. right after. Yeah, so, St. Louis yikes. is the wild one, uh, and we will have a separate preview for that because you know Cardinals coming to town. Because you know, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, it's the first and second place team. Let's see how we match up. So. <laughs> We will. Uh, if the Cubs match up well against the Brewers, you know, Danny and I will be talking about it on social media. Where can people find you, Danny, for those tapes and for your well, COVID we'll, test results this afternoon? Yeah, well, the, you. I mean, I guess it'll be on tape. Uh, you could just follow me at Sunranto and you can <laughs> look at my Twitter feed and probably watch me take a COVID test if that's your thing. It's like it's like the old unboxing videos from Amazon. Uh, it's, uh, maybe I'll I'll go uh, viral. But uh, but not literally viral. <laughs> we don't. I didn't. Not even mean that joke. But um, yeah, it's Sunranto at Sunranto at Sunranto Show. Follow me at all those places and uh, keep abreast as to we do a live show every Sunday night. Um, and you should watch it. It's fun. Awesome. Sarah's been on it. I have been on it. It's been it's been good time. Sometimes I watch it too. Um, you can find me and my baseball takes it at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything related to this podcast, uh, including the stuff that we reference and upcoming things we might talk about on the show at the podcast Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. Uh, I might make it to one of these games over the holiday weekend at Wrigley. We'll see what happens. Um, but what, however you're celebrating the start of summer and Memorial Day, we hope you do it safely and we hope you have fun. 
with your friends and family. We will be back after the White Sox and Brewers series to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals coming to Wrigley. You will not want to miss it until next time.